Hi guys, welcome back to Yawn Podcast and today we have Lacey, Jodie and myself Stevie and we're all on a joint WhatsApp phone call discussing a couple of bits that we've been asked to have a chat about really. So we are going to ask um, to chat about bonding and to chat about the question. The question. (laughs) Right, so where are we going to start guys? Uh, I think bonding is a big one. Hi, it's Lacey, by the way, if you didn't tell by the brummy draw. Um, I think bonding is a huge one because there is so much conflicting information out there and it's such a taboo subject. So we love kicking taboo subjects off in this little group. So let's go for bonding. Cool. So I think... So you want... Who's going to go first? Yeah. <laughs> the awkward bit about it's phone so call. difficult. It is really hard. Um, I don't mind going first. Go for it. <laughs> so, um, bonding was really difficult for me. Um, I didn't particularly, I didn't get that, even when I had uh, my boys by birth, I didn't get that rush of love. I'm quite, I'm not a standoffish person, but people have to grow on me. And um, it's true to say for all three of my children, they've had to grow on me. Um, With Lottie, it was really quite different because there was a period of rejection that nobody ever told me about, which is obviously where Yawn came from. But I expected to feel a lot more than I did. Um, I can't say that I felt anything like dislike or anything but I'd gone backwards so far when she came home she was nine months and I'd got hold on let me do my maths I've got a nine and a seven-year-old no a ten and a seven-year-old um and no they were yeah yeah, nine and seven sorry (laughs) that's Um, right the the joys of a live phone call the joys of a live <laughs> it's oh, not... and, and like having that many kids, you can't even remember whose date of birth you're trotting off. <laughs> um, no, so they were kind of self-sufficient, and you don't realise quite how much you do get your life back until you've got this baby, and you spend so long gearing up for them, learning all about them. Introductions are really difficult. It's it was made as lovely as possible by her great foster carers, but. It's very alien, it's very intense, you're not in your own house, and then all of a sudden you're just given this child. And he was in a lockdown, and she was very compliant at first, she didn't cry for a week, and then she didn't want me anywhere near her. And I was in this shock. It wasn't a pleasant experience, um, and it took me, I would say, honestly, about six months to properly bond with her. Now, I mean, completely, absolutely, completely fine and love her as much as if she'd come out of uh, my caesarean section scar, but it was tough getting there and, you know, there wasn't a lot of support and a lot of things happened um, in that first crucial few months' time that made it a lot harder and made my mental health um, a bit more tricky to navigate but I will say the struggle that we went through at the beginning has paid off dividends now and it's kind of like a rite of passage 
Yeah. So when you're pregnant, it's horrible, it's uncomfortable. When they're babies, it's hard work, but all that is preparing you to become a parent. And I think with adoption, those first few weeks is your rite of passage. And then you get out the other side and you're like, shit. So like that, that first week for you was like the little honeymoon period that they always talk about in um, in yes. training. Yes, overly compliant. Ate everything, which breaks my heart now to look back and think she doesn't really like gravy. She ate like stews and things like that. Um, and now, even now, I see if I see that behaviour, I know she's uncomfortable. Yeah. She's overly compliant. If she's an absolute demon, I know she's fine. Um, <laughs> but you just you learn so much about your child in those first few weeks, but you don't realise you're learning. And I think that's the rite of passage. Yeah. Did you get any, like you were saying, with your mental health and the rejection, did you get any help with that from the social services or not? No. <laughs> uh, there was a lockdown. So yeah. I ended up ringing the emergency duty team because I couldn't get hold of anybody um, and basically said, this child will not take food or water from me. She screams. She is not interested in me at all. And I don't know what to do. And this, they sent a social worker out who I think may have qualified as a social worker in 1900, um, <laughs> was more concerned about the fact that my cat was outside walking on her car um, and just said to me, I just don't think she likes your face. Oh, lovely. That was the, that was the support I got from them. Um, but actually, that's where Kirsty, who obviously we started the group together, Kirsty was an absolute godsend in that time also another friend I made through adoption Kate um, she I remember messaging her and just saying like is this normal and she really picked me up and, and sort of pushed me forward and was like no no come on one foot in front of the other it's absolutely fine so I found a lot of strength in people that I've still never met but actually made and normalised it and just said to me people don't talk about this but it happens don't worry it's not you so that's what's really good and about the young the... group, I think. Yeah. I found a lot yeah, so of support. Like that. It, it, it was nothing like that. And I found myself, I'd put posts in groups where there are prospective adopters and adopters, and you'd have prospective adopters basically telling you that you were shit, which was great. And I just thought, no, do you know what? There needs to be a space for actual adopters. Um, so, yeah, that was... I think bonding was the worst but the best thing in the whole adoption journey because me and, and, and Lottie, we fought for that and so it is so much more precious because we fought for it. Yeah. That I'm, would be my yeah. sort of experience with it. You see, I'm I'm kind of a bit bit more backwards. I've um where Riley's come home it's now two years on. I think where I it's a reason why like the podcast haven't happened so much recently I lost my gran as you guys know um and she was like the matriarch of our family like Rai used to see her loads we all used to see her loads she cooked bloody fantastic birthday cakes and cooked wonderful roast dinners like every weekend for us um so it's been a bit hard losing her I've just kind of lost focus on like everything but like Riley always bonded really really well with us from day dot when he came home like we didn't have any rejection like we were quite lucky on that front but what I'm struggling with now is he is a complete mummy's boy so whereas I need time to grieve 
I can't get that at all because he's just constantly wanting me like he won't even really at the moment he's not rejected my husband Chris at all ever but he's definitely more of a mummy's boy so and I think he he's picked up that I'm not feeling great so almost like wants to comfort me and it's just I've got kind of gone the other way on the bonding and I'm now being smothered so it's uh we've kind of luckily me and Chris can where we work self-employed with dog walkers and doggy daycare and stuff like that um and we run our own business so I've kind of swapped out and Chris is starting to take a bit more of the role that I had so that I can get that time even though it's at work I can get that time away from Rye so I'm not feeling so smothered by him all the time that's it's... really good though yeah I the whole but adoption that you've identified that and you can you how you can identify that you're feeling like that and you need that time to yourself yeah but it's like when it comes to like the bonding side of it like the it shows how strong like the bond between over the last two years because again Riley was a Covid adoption which is always great fun um, but yeah it just shows that he bonded really really well and he just seemed so chill like from the moment he came home he's just he's just a relaxed person and I think he always is going to be relaxed he just takes everything in his stride so like we didn't get any rejection so it's not all not always doom and gloom and really really hard but i think where we've not bonded too much but have such a good bond he's just now wanting to make sure mommy's okay and mommy's not okay <laughs> no but what an empathetic person you are creating because he would only be able to show that level of emotional maturity because you have demonstrated that they're sponges aren't they so that yeah. just goes to show that you're doing a fucking cracking job well thank you absolutely <laughs> but yeah i just wanted to kind of like when it came to the bonding like you've always get the horror stories and stuff and like your one where you get the rejection and things like that but i think it's like because my adoption has just gone so smoothly by the somerset ruling which we can go into at some other point don't get me started. Fuck the Somerset ruling, oh, man. Fuck no, it, it, it's, it's making me mad. I've got to now get a passport in Riley's birth name, which I really didn't want to do because I want to go on holiday on September and he's still not my child yet as such by law, even though it's two years down it's the line. Fine. But, um, but yeah, I just wanted to show, like, with my, like, I always like to talk about my experience because it was surprisingly smooth compared to what any social worker or any training person would tell you. So, yeah, it, kind of. I hope it gives people hope. Normalizing. Oh yeah, definitely. Completely, because you know we had a rough time at the beginning with bonding, but now we live a completely normal life. I've got a very adaptable, probably very much like Riley, very relaxed child. Take her anywhere, do anything. She's absolutely cool. Like it's, we live a completely normal life. We yep. don't deal with the. Uh, extreme behaviours yeah I'm sure fast forward five years and I'll I'll know a few but it, it's life's good but I think it's great to normalise it because not everybody has a, a kind of up and down bonding experience What's what was yours like Jodo? Ours was brilliant I have to say and I do think it is mostly down to his foster carers um, he was with them from 
four days old. So, you know, his, his initial bond was with them. Um, and again, he is another lockdown baby. Um, he was uh, born at the end of 2019. So literally as soon as he went to the foster carers, pretty much they were shut in um, due to health issues they had to isolate. So he literally only had them to bond with. Um, and we were pretty much the next people that he met. Um, so I think the fact that he had such a secure attachment with them um, helped us to, to then bond as well. Um, but he's such a sociable child, uh, which is so strange considering he spent like most of the first year of his life shut in houses. Um, but like he he will bond with anybody he's so open to relationships and friendships with people um you know even like a nursery he's recently started nursery after easter and he's got friends already um he's bonded really quickly with his key worker um we are very lucky that we haven't had any of the rejection side of things um he did he was a bit funny with older people in the family to start with um but i think that kind of comes down to that he hadn't really seen old people <laughs> um you need to know that they're the ones that put money in birthday cards yeah yeah I and the ones that take you out for ice cream absolutely <laughs> yeah he, he's definitely got that now he's learned that now um because his favorite people are actually his great grandparents um Definitely. He's very lucky that he has got um, three three sets of, of great-grandparents still here. So, um, yeah, he's done, done well there, bless him. But, yeah, we've, we've done really well with the bonding. Um, but I do think, as horrible as it was, it helped that he didn't sleep through the night. Um, as, as exhausting and tiring it was, we had that time in the night um, to give him like night feed bottles and stuff which a lot of adoptive parents don't get unless they do foster to adopt yeah well so, we, yeah, we didn't we didn't get that she came at nine months sleeping completely through yeah, yeah we, so we he, had the same with he Riley. Was 10 months, he was 10 months but had never ever slept through oh, wow. um so yeah he's he's now two and a half and he's been sleeping through for the last maybe 10 months so yeah we had a lot of a lot of sleepless nights but i do i honestly think that that did help with the bonding because we had that time in the night where we were having a cuddle giving him a bottle um which i i think you know with birth children that's where where the bonding comes from isn't it like that's feeding, the right of passage yeah absolutely yeah we didn't get any of that with riley he um so he went to his foster carers at 10 to 11 months um, that kind of age um, and so he came to us at 13 months um, but it, this is the bit that like breaks my heart a little bit with Riley he um, so we had no choice but we had to let him cry it out when we put him to bed because um, basically I know it's horrible and heartbreaking I've said I'd never ever do it and then I had to because us being in the room where, his, where he wasn't used to his birth mum being there like to begin with and then he wouldn't let the foster carers be there when he wanted to sleep he'd make it worse and worse so you'd start with him whinging and crying it's not like not like proper proper crying but um but if you stayed in with him whilst he was having his 
what we started calling his pre-bed whinge, um, then he would go into a full-blown tantrums and crying and just in, like you couldn't console him at all. But that was just obviously the trauma from his birth mum. It's, I suppose, yeah, it's what they're used to, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, and he was just left, obviously, as a babe to... just to whinge it out until he fell asleep, and it just... I used to sit by his door and just listen and just wish that I could go in and comfort him, but I knew I couldn't, because it would just make it worse. <laughs> That's really tough, though, isn't it? And that, again, that was your rite of passage. Yeah. That feeling there is what made you his mum. Yeah. And, you know, it's all of these things you know if you're listening to this and you haven't adopted yet I can guarantee you're thinking oh it's going to be different for me but you will get your rite of passage you will get that tick up the arse and that is what will make you a parent like with Lottie now similarly to, to what you guys said about you know bonding with other people and that she's absolutely fine completely it was me she took against yeah. and now I'm her favourite person and like these rites of passage it's so important because it is what makes you a parent. It stops you feeling like a fraud. Yeah, it definitely stops you feeling like you're just looking after somebody's child, which is the big thing. Where yeah. I've been asked that a few times. Like, oh, isn't it just feel like you're looking after someone else's kid? It's like, well, you clean up that poopy nappy oh. and wipe their poopy hands when they've tried to do it themselves, and then you tell me I'm not his mum. Yeah, 100%. But that, that probably leads nicely into the uh, big question, doesn't it? Oh, yes, the big question. The big question. How how do we deal with probably well-meaning, sometimes puntish people, that will ask us uh, where's their real mum slash dad? I'm quite lucky. Well, I'm... I'm very blunt. I'm very blunt. <laughs> God. <laughs> I, I, I've only had it once so far in the almost two years that we've had him and I said, what am I, invisible? Nice and one. And they just looked at me. They just looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, am I not real? Am I not here? And we said, I don't understand. I said, I think the word you're looking for is the parents because I'm real, I'm here, I'm his real mum. And they were so embarrassed that they'd asked it. And I probably was a bit too sharp with them, to be honest. It's the but only way some people learn, though. It, yeah, but it just got to me, because I'm not pretending. That's like, the thing. It's so fucking hurtful. And as adopters, we're taught to put ourselves at the bottom of the list. But sometimes you have got to literally just turn around and go, fuck off. No. Oh, absolutely totally. not. I matter here. That's definitely, definitely the way. Because see, I'm, I'm very similar. Like I, I haven't had anyone ask it, ask that question, the question about the, his real parents. But I, I had something similar when I was, when I was trying for kids. I, um, so I've put on a lot of weight. I was 12 and a half stone. I'm now 18, because um, I found out I had PCOS and an insulin resistancy and this, that, and the other, um, which is why I can't have kids. Um, but I just went through a miscarriage and I had a receptionist at a vet ask me when I was due. Which Love is... that. Oh, yeah. So I blew off her and I actually told her I'd literally just gone through a miscarriage and it's kind of like that's what I would... What the, the fear in someone's face that I would want to install 
if they asked me where his real parents were. I had that about, when was I in Turkey? Like three weeks I had that in, in Turkey, oh, you're pregnant. <laughs> no, honey, I'm fat. <laughs> no, I just like food. <laughs> it's a food in mainland island iced tea, honey. <laughs> I mean, my my experience with it, nobody has ever asked me maliciously. Like, I, I'm really good at pretending that I am this force of nature. I'm not, I hate confrontation. I am everybody's friend. If I don't like you, I simply ignore you. I only really come up against people that are making other people's lives hard. Um... When people have said, and it was quite a lot, I mean, people from my work will listen to this, and if, if you are one of the people that said it to me, please don't worry, I was not offended. People are like, oh, like, especially when we were in the, the process, of, oh, what, what about a real mum? And I was like, so the, the politically correct term there is, is just birth parent? Because I think sometimes people ask it, and it's because they don't know what else to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't know, because they don't know her name, and we, we refer to her by name, because obviously my two birth children aren't going to call her Lottie's birth mum. They call her by her first name. Um, so I think once you kind of gently give that education, people kind of take it on board. And then I've had one person say it to me, and they went, oh, shit, I shouldn't say that, should I? And I was like, not really, but you don't offend me because I know you don't mean it like that. Yeah. But you hear horror stories of, um, you know, doctors, receptionists. I mean, my doctors, receptionists are actually lovely and the receptionists at my work are lovely. But you hear them and they say, well, where's the real mum? I have seen it um, in some parts of the NHS where an adoptive parent is, is denoted as an adoptive parent and it's kind of made me want to shit in my hands and clap because it should just be parent. Um, but on the whole, I haven't had a lot of negativity. But then there was a little bit of gatekeeping on the group about the fact that you know, some people were sort of minimising, you know, almost saying we shouldn't be offended by it. No, bitch, I'm offended by it, so I'm going to say something. It yeah, offends it, it's me definitely, because I am her real mum. Yeah, it's definitely not being a Karen. <laughs> no, definitely not being Karen. It's about drawing boundaries and saying, actually, that's not okay. Yeah, I think... Well, yeah, I... because you say it in front of a child that understands, you know, once they get to sort of four, five, six sort of age and they understand what the word real means and pretend and all that sort of stuff, they're going to want to know why someone's asking their mum or dad where their real parent is because... To, to, to them, we are their real parents because that's what we are. But, you know, it, it's it's going to cause a lot more questions. Whereas, obviously, we use the right terminology at home to teach them about their history. So they're not going to understand what the whole real mum situation is because we use words like birth mum or whatever words families use. I know yeah. some use like tummy mummy or whatever like that. That's one of my I little pet like hate words. Myself, I hate but... it. <laughs> I actually, um, today I went to view a grooming table for our new groom room and the couple, the the older couple, actually adopted, God, like 30 years ago. 
And um, yeah, they used Tummy Mummy and I, it made me cringe so much. <laughs> I like, didn't say anything, obviously, because I didn't want to upset them because it was their experience and what they did. But yeah, I, I had a proper cringe on the inside when he was like, oh yeah, and the Tummy Mummy, I'm like, oh, I hate, it just sounds it's awful. Whatever works for them, isn't it, though? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It's just not a word no, for I mean, me. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a vibe. Um, with with the real mum thing, I think the reason sort of I got a bit pissed off about it is, and I'll, you know, do a little ad break here, two pounds a month will help me buy wine and rid me of my childhood trauma. <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, I remember having my tonsils out when I was 12 um, and I was in foster care. And I'd obviously gone for my Priya with my lovely foster mother, who was incredible, um, and who I'm still in touch with. And they said, no, but you're not her real mum. Where's her real mum? I was 12 and already knew the shame of, I knew where she was. She was pissed. She didn't know I was having my first ever operation. She didn't know I was having my first ever general anaesthetic. And actually, by saying that we shouldn't be offended and we should just let the term real mum be used or real dad be used around our children is actually subjecting them to shame, which is pretty fucking shit. Yeah, especially because... when it's, if they've got, a, like, basically all kids in care, taken into care now for adoption, they've all got a trauma background. It's not not many now. Absolutely. Not many now are given up because they don't want kids and they've fallen pregnant, 99% probably are drug, alcohol, domestic violence, stuff like that. So you don't want to shame it's, a child. Re- and that's the thing, like, that's been the biggest freeing thing for me is things happened to me, they happened to me, not because of me. I was born to someone who had no business having children and, and will bear you know, the, the scars of that for the rest of my life, and so are my sisters. Um, and, you know, we are, by not actively challenging it, we're making our children feel, again, like there's more wrong. It was okay for me because I was in foster care, and I'm quite open about the fact that I'm very grateful that I grew up in foster care because I was able to, to process it all. I was never... I never had to pretend... And, and pretend everything was okay, where I think some, especially older adopters who, where adoption wasn't really talked about in the home, they had to kind of put on a brave face. If you're in foster care, everybody knows your predicament. Yeah. So there's already, you know, you kind of haven't got anywhere else to go. So if you're adopted and you've already sort of had to take on the fact that you've got new parents now and you're not with your family of origin and then some fucker says, where's your real mum? That must be a hundred times more damaging than it was for me and I was just in foster care. Yeah. So that's, I think, why I felt quite strongly about it. Even though it doesn't offend me per se, say it in front of my kid and I'll knock your teeth out. That's the protective mummy side of you. That's what, again, like you said, that rite of passage, like... You're just for protect- all of our children, not just for mine, for yeah. all adopted children, for yeah. all foster children. It's definitely a, it's definitely like protective. It's not necessarily you're not offending me, but you're going to hurt my child, so you can fuck off. Mm. Yeah, 100%. absolutely. And that sort of when you've got people saying, "Oh, but you know, in theory, no, I've got first-person experience of this." No, we don't say that. We don't say real. 
we say birth or we use the name or we say tummy mummy or we say donor or we say whatever the, the fuck you want to say. <laughs> but we don't say real. Yeah, definitely. Because real is the trenches, real is what we live, real is what's in front of us, real is the house that you live in and the car that you drive and the life that you live, not what may have been before or what might come in the future. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. My opinion, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think it's. I think that, really, I think that sums up everybody's month. really. But but two pounds a month. <laughs> it rid of me of all this trauma. <laughs> <laughs> no, the cost of living four pounds a month. Yeah, I was going to say two two pounds a month for some wine. <laughs> You're not even going to get one of those mini bottles. I find wine on sale. <gasps> in, I've never seen wine on sale. I find wine reduced. Nice. See, I, I've just I got I've just that. got into my uh, nice caramel rums and things like that. So yeah, I'll I'll use my four pounds a month for that, please. <laughs> yeah, you need four pounds a month because your nan's died. Yeah, yeah, I'll go for that. Joby, what what do you need four pounds a month for, hun? Chocolate. Oh yes. Jody. Jodie wants to increase her um, fruit and veg intake and chocolate is um, a bean. So yeah. Jodie needs four pounds a month. Fruit and nut one. Fruit and nut one. There you go, that's healthy, oh, right? There we go. Complete meal. Complete yeah. meal. Did you guys know what Perfect. the definition of a salad is? No. The official definition of a salad, my my hubby I found this one out, is basically a mixture of foods. So, yeah, chocolate with fruit and nut, that's a mixture of food, therefore it's a salad. Ben and Jerry's is a salad. Yeah, pizza, that's a salad. <laughs> so you've always got, Ooh, you've okay, always got so your good ones. Here's one then, just to end the podcast, because it has been a little bit heavy. What would your death row meal be? Oh. Mine is lasagna and garlic bread. Always. Love that. Love that. Any always. pudding or you're just not going to do that. Oh no, I'd have to have pudding as well. Cake custard. Cake custard. Custard is life. No, custard's disgusting. (laughs) Baby, get in the bin. Get in the bin. I got put off as a child on that disgusting, horrible, jelly like custard from school. Best custard, Michael. I've never even seen a cat. No, my death, my death, my death row would be. I'd go all posh. I'd have to have like crab or lobster or something, and then pudding. I'd have to have like a proper decent apple crumble with a shit ton of shit ton of crumble on the top, like twice as much as apple, and then tons of sugar before you cook it, so it almost caramelizes on top. Oh yeah. But yeah, can you you tell that I'm more of a pudding girl than a food one, really? And that's fair enough. Mine, mine's very simple. Um, I've got a thyroid disease, so there's some things that my digestion doesn't like. Um, but that would be the funeral director's problem, not mine. <laughs> so my, um, my death row meal would be uh, beans on toast. But it would be toasted tiger bread with proper butter, oh, as much oh, butter yeah. as bread. Because let's not fuck about. Um, so you're going to have butter, I do it I'm allergic to eggs. 
So I'd have two poached eggs because I love them, even though I'm allergic to them. Um, Again, funeral, funeral have... director's problem, not yours. Ah, that would be their absolute problem. When I let go, mate, when I'm dead, <laughs> that's going to be a mess. <laughs> Earn your money, my friend. Um, and then I would have Mr. Whippy ice cream. Beautiful. And this is actually true. When I when I have a Mr. Whippy, the old they're really bad for you. Isn't it Legionnaires or Salmonella or something you get from them anyway? In like fucking tons of it. Um, I would have. I don't like cones, so I'd have it. I'd have a big bowl of Mr. Whippy with twice as much of the red sauce as everybody else has, and like five flakes, and I'd be happy. Nice. Oh yeah. But now I want a shot of custard as well. <laughs> and I'd have like a nice a nice bottle of white. A nice bottle of rosé and a nice bottle of red. I'd have like a Chateau Neuf de Pape, Pinot Grigio Blush, Sauvignon Blanc. Or I'd actually, I'd have Whispery Angel rosé. I'm not sure what kind of group that is. But I would literally just be a fucking drunk fat mess that they'd then have to clean up after. Sounds perfect, really. <laughs> see, I, see, I'm lactose intolerant, so like, just, just give me the biggest chocolate, like, thick shake in the world and I'll be a goner. Yeah, I'm celiac, so if I ate my lasagna and garlic bread not gluten-free, I'd be just as bad. God, look at the three yeah, of us. We We're awful, aren't we? <laughs> we'd, if the three of us got together in a restaurant, we'd actually just, like, not be able to eat anything. We'd be able to... We'd have to have a, a salad, a proper salad, like lettuce and sadness. What, are you trying to kill yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But cool, I think that yeah. our first phone call is, well, f- I've been recording the pre-bit as well, so we've hit like 45 minutes, which obviously it's I'll cut down and have a play with. Well. Oh, God, yeah. I'm this quite is, tempted to leave some of it This is what parenting does to you, people. Yeah, you need to find friends wherever you can and talk to them as much as you can. Definitely. Adoption friends. Adoption friends. <laughs> Adoption friends who aren't dickheads. Yay! Congratulations to everybody that's listening because you've just joined the Bat Club. (laughs) Well done to you, you've achieved. It's like you should come up with one of those Xbox achievement posts. (laughs) No, they could just all give us four pounds. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll do that. Join our crew. But cool. So should we wrap that up, guys? And I think we'll do another one in a few podcasts' time, maybe. Definitely. Yeah, lovely. It's been fun. Thank you so much for listening. And if if anybody wants to uh, post on the group about what their death row meal would be, I'm sure it'll be quite interesting to read how many people will actually just have Greg's. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get them started. How many people with tattoos now? It's your fault. Oh, see. I need to stop getting those as well. But anyway, we digress. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you very much, ladies. And thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.